look, you need an ecosystem that is controlled by the consumer. Because if you don't have it, the alternative is an ecosystem dominated by these walled gardens, you know, run by guys like Zuckerberg, et cetera, et cetera. And like you as a consumer are 100% going to be left out in the cold. You're listening to the Digital Data Cafe podcast, where we talk about everything data-driven in your world. Join us each week to hear from the world's top business and industry leaders on why using data in a digital world matters. Here's your host, Albert Thompson. Good morning. This is Albert Thompson, your host from Digital Data Cafe, another great podcast. I'm here with the one and only CEO, Neil Sweeney from Reclaim. Neil, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm well. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, no, absolutely. Well, Neil, I'm super excited. I mean, we've been chatting for a while, and and I got to tell you, man, I've been um, I'm really excited about Reclaim. You know what you guys are doing in the data space, and how you're really solving that, you know, one-to-one connective tissue. But before I get too far and ahead of myself, you know, t- tell us a little bit about Reclaim and, and you know, what's your role and, and what's what are you guys accomplishing over there? Yeah, I mean, Reclaim uh, has been around now for about three years. Um, and it was created actually inside of uh, my last company, uh, a location attribution firm called uh, Freckle, um, which kind of just before COVID, we sold to place iq and then took our engineering team and started focusing really on uh what reclaims mission is and 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 i think you know if 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 anybody in your audience has spent any time in data and more specifically in location they'll be well aware of a lot of the challenges regarding consent and data amalgamation or uh, data capture and you know i think sometimes like the 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 location space tends to bear a br- the brunt of a lot of the, the focus for regulators and the media. But, you know, net net, what we what we believed was that when GDPR, which is the European privacy law, came into effect, um, we f- we really felt that that was sort of a seminal moment moment and that from this point moving forward, that data was always going to be different and that we were we would incrementally move increasingly towards a world that would have more consumer inclusion and more consumer optionability. And I think as you can also likely imagine and your viewers can also understand is that, you know, whether you're in the digital space or not, everybody's a consumer and everybody has a data profile. So there's 7 billion consumers. Every single one of them has a data profile. It is that profile, which powers the world. So, you know, everybody's quick to talk about, you know, data is the new oil, which is super cliche, but you know, really you're the free input. Um, you're the input that is powering and generating billions of dollars of revenue, you know, for a variety of different firms ranging from Google to Facebook to, you know, 6,000 different, you know, data brokers. And what we sort of felt was that why should the consumer have no transparency, no optionality, no compensation, et cetera. And so what we set out to do was how do we create a royalty system for consumers where if and when their data is used by a platform, they are passively compensated. Now, you can be compensated in crypto, cash, gift cards, et cetera. I mean, that value prop will iterate and change over time. But really what I think what we believed was, let's give consumers a seat at the table as it relates to the governance of their own data. 
we believe that the future uh, of data and really business in general is going to have that from a kind of from a consumer amalgamation point of view. So, yeah, so that's what we've been work. That's what we've been working on for like you know the last three years. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, you know you're spot on, right? I think for the longest time, you know, people have never really truly fully understood right the trade off between their their personal data. And, you know, uh, the platforms out there that use it on a daily basis. Right. And so I think more consumers are becoming aware of just how valuable that is and what that that exchange looks like. Um, and it sounds like you guys are, are really trying to solve that. Um, but before we dive into exactly how you're solving um, all those big problems in the industry, um, you know, everybody loves to hear the journey. Right. Uh, I got to tell you, every time I do one of these podcasts, they're like, Albert, Tell us the story of like how did how did Neil get to be a CEO? Like how did how'd you get there? Like I mean I'm sure it doesn't happen by accident. So what's your humble beginnings? How did you get from from beginning to to here? Well, I'm a CEO and founder because like I'm generally unhirable. I think so I think that's <laughs> I don't think I'm a choice. <laughs> Fair, like, yeah. Deal with me. I'm a total pain in the ass. So I think <laughs> like that's part of it. Right. Um, yeah, I, you know at the very beginning. You know, I worked in big. Te- I worked in big media. I spent a lot of time sort of educating senior executives on technology and the future, and building like really elaborate, sexy business plans to acquire company A and invest in company B, and so on and so forth. And everybody would nod and then never really take any of my advice. And then I think I, I as I as I grew a little bit older, mm-hmm. uh, I got tired of kind of pitching what I thought were good ideas. Uh, that we're never getting executed on. So I said, okay, let's not do this. Let's just go and do it yourself and then kind of move that technology into the firms that I used to work for. So, I mean, I've been doing this now for over 20 years. I've had a half a dozen of these of these different companies. This is the latest iteration. I think um, what's sort of unique to my journey a little bit is that um, I've worked in all aspects of media for sure, ranging from you know digital out of home to streaming audio to mobile DSPs to programmatic to data. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's interesting is that each of these companies is iterated and created and it's in the company before it. So there's a bit of a Ukrainian doll sort of situation here that, you know, what we do is we, we, we invest in an idea, uh, we commercialize it, we scale it. And then because I'm inherently neurotic, I'm paranoid about, you know, the competition. And so I've always had this belief that I'm going to build the competition to my own business. And the intention there being is that I'm going to unseat this business versus letting somebody else do that for me. And so the way that that's worked is that as the larger business commercializes and scales and gets to a certain level, I tend to ladder that company into a bigger company through acquisition and then pick and roll and move on to the smaller company and rinse and repeat. So yeah, so that's really kind of been the journey. Um, you know, we've done everything from um, sort of the creation of in-stream ad replacement, uh, which is now called, you know, programmatic audio. That's still in existence. We were responsible for one of the first mobile DSPs that was ever built. Uh, you know, so we've been building a lot of, you know, interesting tech over the years, really to to solve problems, you know, for for this industry. And I think that's our sweet spot. We're clearly comfortable with the chaos and risk that comes with, you know, starting a new company. But uh, I think we're pretty good at um, the ideation and commercialization of the next new idea. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, it's really interesting that you shared your background. Uh, you know, my, my background is very similar, 20 plus years in, in the digital, um, you know, MarTech, ad tech space um, from programmatic as well. So I think there's there's probably some sort of like direct linear uh, connection into, you know, what we see here in terms of data and, and direct marketers and, and modern marketers and how they really are, you know, looking, you know, for the next level of how data really integrates into that. Um, so it's probably something there that we could, spend hours doing but um you know one of the things i'd like to ask you and i think some of our audience would probably like to hear and just you know obviously i'm i'm neurotic like you right i always think about the competition and you know it's really you know i i'm a big advocate of like you know blitz scaling and and, and reed hoffman's model but um you know data collection had very humble beginnings i mean you know when we think of it um you know even starbucks back in the day right they would literally write customers information um, of favorite bean combinations um, written down on a filing cabinet. You know, I, I think really what I'm trying to say here is that this isn't new, right? Understanding data and personalization and, and having that consumer connection isn't new, but Reclaim's really thinking about it in a new way and would love to get your thoughts on, you know, kind of explaining that that connect, connection and where you think it's going from here. Yeah, I mean, I always get, feisty when people kind of dismiss privacy, not because I'm, you know, some over the top left leaning, you know, individual that, you know, wants to wear a tinfoil hat. I'm actually probably the furthest from that. Like I'm a capitalist, like plain and simple, right. but I'm also a realist. And I think, um, it, you know, if you sort of step back from what's been happening in the space, um, there, everything is incrementally moving towards more regulation, loss of data signals, more consumer empowerment. Yep. And, you know, I think this industry has a nasty tendency to, you know, focus on the thing that's literally six inches in front of their face. And they have a tendency to miss sort of the bigger narrative. I mean, the most obvious being is this ridiculous conversation around cookie deprecation, which, you know, I think is probably the most dangerous conversation in ad tech. And it, you know, typically misses the mark with, a lot of people in this industry, you know, the short answer there is it's has nothing to do with cookie deprecation. Cookie deprecation is a byproduct of privacy regulation, which started in Europe, moved to California. And if you're a global company like Google, you benchmark your privacy policy against the most onerous, you know, right. uh, legislation. That's so, right. you know, I think what, what people look for is, you know, they're treating the sickness, but not the ailment, right? So they're, they're, they're kind of not getting to the root of it. And I think that's a real challenge in this space. And I think, um, you know, I think the, the market is setting themselves up for a really big shock because um, I don't think people are really sort of understanding the larger forces that are kind of taking place sort of around privacy um, that, you know, I think are inherently more disruptive. And, you know, I've been on record for some time saying, look, we're moving entirely to a world of walled gardens. Um, you know, it's easy to sort of look at Facebook and Google, you know, people always pick on Facebook and they're easy to pick on, but if you don't like Facebook and you don't like the terms and conditions of Facebook, then don't sign up. Um, Google's a bit different. Because, you know, Google has been providing signals and data to this market for a long time. And I'm of the opinion that Google is becoming a wall garden. And they are giving the industry a giant head fake uh, around the cookie. Because the reality is, is Google doesn't 
need and or use cookies. Cookies are for everybody but Google. So, you know, I think, you know, to your viewers, I would ask the question, how long do you think Google is going to continue to supply data to companies to build products to compete against them? It's not long. Like, it's not long. So while everybody focuses on the cookie, what Google is doing is slowly but surely turning off the oxygen in the room, starving the industry of data signals, mm -hmm. and literally turning the lights out on the open web, which, you know, consists of 1.8 billion websites. So, you know, if, if you don't like what's happening now, just wait till there's no oxygen in the room and the open web, as you know, it no longer exists. And now you are being dominated by a half a dozen walled gardens who don't give a shit about you or your data. That's right. Let's see how that happens. Right. So, you know, I think the whole philosophy around reclaim is about, look, you need a cons you need an ecosystem that is that is controlled by the consumer because if you don't have it the alternative is an ecosystem dominated by these walled gardens you know run by guys like zuckerberg etc cetera, etc cetera. and like you as a consumer are 100% going to be left out in the cold yeah i i couldn't agree with you more and and here's the interesting thing right so and, and, you know, full transparency, right? You know, with what we do from a first party perspective, um, I've also been on the record for saying, you know, we've got to get to a, a world of, and I just thought, you know, very beginning, right? Hashtag um, data independence, because I think you're right. I mean, I think consent lives with the consumers. Um, you know, today, you know, it's 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 very challenging, right? For, for marketers at all um, to, to really be able to, to activate any type of data across the digital pathways um, and, really truly have that consumer-based consent, which is what's really exciting about what, what Reclaim is doing. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, here's the other part of the thing, right? Consumers at the same time are realizing how valuable their data are, you know, is. So they're becoming more privy to the invasive nature of the data that's being collected, how it's being deployed. They're calling for that to be changed. I think Cisco did a study a year or so ago that said 86% of consumers, you know, actually say they care about privacy and they want, you know, they want to take more control. Um, you know, so I think they, you know, consumers are slowly getting there, but to your point, you've got Google, right? Slowly sucking that oxygen out. So, I mean, where does reclaim fit into this and how do you guys, you know, plan to solve that problem? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, you know, if you talk to any consumer at a cocktail party, I call, you know, in, and you say, you know, hey, you know, your data is worth an aggregate $10,000 a year. It's a lean in moment. Everybody's interested in that. You know, there is an, health, an unhealthy relationship between consumers and their data. They're freaked out about it. They don't really understand it. Um, they're worried that they're being spied on. I mean, these things are all kind of happening. Yep. You know, there's a few things. You, know, you, mentioned, you, you mentioned sort of the, the notion of consent. You know, part of the issue in the industry today is that consent is not interoperable. That's it's right. why you as a continue to get punched in the face with cookie notifications on each individual website. Why? Because those websites, those platforms believe that that data is theirs, not yours. They believe that when you come to their destination, you as a consumer lose all right and title to your data. Nobody believes that as a consumer. No consumer agrees that that's how it should happen. In fact, it should be actually a license or a rental agreement where based on specific terms and conditions. So I think you know, this notion of, you know, you could controlling or holding on to your data, forget it, like, that's not going to happen. But, you know, I've been pretty vocal about this notion that, you know, the, the inherent value of data is really based on its proximity to the user. It's why first party data is more valuable than third party data. 
Um, so if you pin that data directly at the individual consumer, call that zero party if you want. Um, inherently, that means that it is it is it is higher fidelity, more consented, more compliant, so on and so forth. So like what I believe is that you as a consumer don't need to control the data, but you as a consumer should have a mechanism from which you can consent. And if you do that downstream, you know, a lot of the challenges that you have in the space go away. So just think of it visually. Neil, as a consumer, takes his data. I send it out to a thousand platforms. In the future, that needs to invert, and those thousand platforms should come to Neil and, and say, "Hey, Neil, can I use your data?" That's a glorified bidirectional API, but that's exactly how it should be happening. So, where does Reclaim fit into that? You know, I think where we started was you as a consumer should be compensated for your data. That's primal, and everybody agrees with that. But it's not that simple. You know, that's why every firm that's tried to do this in the past has gone kind of belly up. What we believe is that first and foremost, you know, Reclaim acts as a portal, meaning that you as a consumer can use Reclaim to, for the first time in your life, see the data that is actually in the market on you. That seems trivial, but nobody else is doing that. Sure. With transparency comes optionality. So now you can see your data. What do you want to do with it? You know, what do you want to do with it, Neil? What do you want to do with it, Albert? Yep. You might want to do something different than me. That type of optionality doesn't exist in the marketplace today. And then thirdly, if you have transparency optionality, you can then have a then you can then have you can then have compensation. Um, so what we believe is, you know, sort of laddering those steps together. Um, we believe reclaim is a is, you know, manages it, it manages consent um, or via uh, an identity solution. And so I think when you look at Reclaim as to, you know, where it is and what it's becoming, um, we think Reclaim really starts to look increasingly more like a more like an identity wallet, where the wallet in your pocket today has two primary functions, identity, secondly, compensation. Identity is a manifestation of data. So we have the data and we have a payment rail. And so if you have that, if you have that sort of the tenants of a wallet, um, you know, that's what I believe is sort of the base baseline of Web3. And that's a larger conversation, but for sure. Right. But, you know, this notion of Web3, Web3 does not exist without, you know, consumer control of data, period. It does not exist. And so while everybody is like searching for an exact definition of Web3 in, in the perfect application, we believe that Reclaim is trying to build itself towards that, which is let's create a destination, call it Reclaim. Let's assume it looks like a wallet. Inside of that wallet, you have a redemption rail and you have identity. And then inside of that wall, what else do you have? Well, again, like the tenants of Web3 would suggest that you need payment. So maybe that's Bitcoin, but you also need a contract. That's probably Ethereum. And so with a wallet, with a, with a contract and with payment, now all of a sudden you as the Wall Street Journal or you as a data broker or you as Equifax or TransUnion, if you actually want to use my data, you can query the identity, get it back, but then you can provide me with some type of compensation. That compensation does not have to be currency. It can be currency. It can be crypto. It can be access to a site. It can be a subsidi sub subsidy. It can be an NFT. It can be a lot of different different things. Yep. But that's where I believe the market's going, and that's what we're building here. <clears throat> yeah. No. Absolutely. Hundred percent. And I, I think you know, as more and more consumers have a better understanding of their data's value. I mean, it's just that value alignment, right? Um, and it, you know, actually, I. I think there's really two ways that I've looked at it, um, right? Eventually, it's one of two things that are going to happen, right? Either no more tracking, which I don't think that's, or consumers are going to have to get rewarded for their data and take control. 
Um, and I think, you know, especially, you know, generationally speaking, you know, I think that plays into the whole exchange of it as well. Like, you know, we, we've seen, you know, Gen Z's responses to being more uh, receptive to this value exchange around data. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I think you're spot on, right? It, it does come down to that ownership and the control. And to your point, even though as trivial as it seems, that transparency piece is super critical because that's the piece that aligns everything to make everyone happy. And that's what you really need in that um, exchange marketplace. So um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that you are really revolutionizing the way the future is heading. Um, so one of the things that you know a lot of times people ask is, so what's the biggest challenges that you're facing in this? I mean, it can't just be you know, perfect and, and linear and just skyrocket trajectory. So what are some of the headwinds that you think Reclaim will face in, in accomplishing this or challenges you've already faced? There's a few. So I would say as it relates to the ad tech industry, it's inertia for sure. People say, who's the competition? And I always say it's inertia it, where the, the industry does not change unless they're literally on fire, right? So like we've seen this and not to bring it back to the cookie, but everybody knows that the cookie is potentially going away. Mm -hmm. Are people really working on that? Not really. The moment it got delayed, everybody dropped that stuff, right? So, um, you know, I think inertia is by far the biggest, which is there needs to be a reason to change. There has to be a reason to change. And it can't just be because it's the right thing to do. There has to be, you know, I have to do it. I think what's happening in the US is that, you know, they've taken subsets of data, namely like ethnicity, sexuality, healthcare data, location data, that's all moved to an opt-in. So that's very similar to kind of the European world where, uh, and I think that's a precursor for what's going to happen with the rest of the data. So they're slicing off, you know, variables of data and requiring an opt-in. If you're a Fortune 500 brand or agency today, you know, tar you know, marketing in, in multicultural, um, how many of those are actually using first party opted in data? Zero. Right. I can tell you that. Absolutely zero. They're all ingesting it from these headless data partners. Um, there's no way, like I'm of the opinion that the majority of Fortune 500 companies are running illegal campaigns on top of multicultural data targeting African-Americans and Hispanics. Yeah. Like talk about like being upside down on diversity and wokeness, like it's crazy. But there are a handful of brands that are super progressive and a handful of agencies that are super progressive, but that's the type of thing where People are not seeing kind of the changes. They're not kind of keeping up with that. So that's one is inertia. I would say sort of secondly is, you know, this, this idea around compensation gets tricky because, you know, inherently the consumer is greedy, right? So um, if you told the consumer that their data is worth approximately $10,000, they want $10,000. What they don't understand is that because they've never been included in the equation for data, data is inherently commoditized. And I always use the example of like, you know, would you share your look, your 24 hour, you know, your 24 hour persistent location data um, for compensation? Some would say, some would say absolutely not. Some might say maybe, but it depends on the price. The price, you know, for an individual's persistent location data is less than one penny per month. Yeah. No consumer would agree to that, but yet the entire location industry operates on that. So these are the two trains that are on a collision course, which is that the commoditization of data followed by sort of the requirement for opt-in will lead to a massive increase in the pricing of data, which you start benchmarking that against, you know, traditional business models, like in this industry, which operate historically on low margin, yeah. you're going to be upside. So I would say, you know, that the, the compensation one is a bit of an issue because, um, 
people want people want to get paid a lot of money right away. And so you have to explain to them that it should be happening in the background as a fractional royalty. I don't think Justin Bieber comp complains that he's getting fractions of a penny because you're playing a song on Spotify, but the consumer is complaining because they're not making enough money from their data, right? So like that's that's a challenge. And a lot of that is, you know, behavioral economics and kind of how you sort of think through like the value proposition. That's definitely a big one. Yep. Um, so I would say kind of inertia, you know, the fixation kind of on that. And, you know, I'd say the last is that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of businesses in this space that, you know, don't really want things to change, right? So um, as a consequence, most big data firms don't really spend a lot of time educating consumers on, you know, what's going on with privacy and their data, so on and so forth. I mean, there's good and bad to that. You know, people say, you know, well, why doesn't Facebook do that? I'm like, well, because Facebook does not want to tell two and a half billion consumers that they're making, you know, $50 a quarter off of their data because there would be a coup inside of Facebook if that happened. So in one sense, it keeps those companies to the off to the side. But in another sense, you know, it's part of the issue that it, it exacerbates the issue that kind of consumers have, you know, specifically with their data. But I would just say kind of in closing, you know, if you look at last year versus this year, there are, there are changes in the market that are forcing that. So I mentioned the ethnicity stuff in places like California and Virginia. We saw ATT from Apple. You are going to see some deprecation. You know, you've seen, you know, the deprecation of, of, of IP addresses or those being designated as, as, um, as, as PII. You've seen Google kind of cut the cut, cut off, um, you know, the scan phoning features, like you're seeing it happen. So, when that stuff happens, it forces people back into the market to look for new partners. <clears throat> yeah. So, and, and we won't have enough time on 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 this particular podcast to to dive into to these challenges. But I think that's probably a whole other show that that I would love to to consider doing with you. Right? Is to is to dig into these headwinds and you know how do we get the market right to to really you know get educated and understand that value prop exchange. And then, you know, what do those collision courses look like from, from the data providers and these data companies? And it's just a lot more there to unpack than we'll have time. But I, I think that's spot on. So, um, well, then let's talk about this, because you did mention a second ago the successes that you've, you've seen, right? You've seen a lot of people actually adopt and start to adapt. Um, and, 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 you know, basically in that hype cycle, I mean, how are you seeing that success? Are you seeing those successes? Are you seeing that adoption? Are you seeing consumers understand um, at Reclaim. And so what are some of the greatest accomplishments you've seen thus far? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, some of the things that I'm, I'm proud of for sure is, you know, we, we introduced the equivalent of like a, the equivalent of a paycheck for consumers. You know, we introduced that three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, we've never missed a payment on that. And so this one to many where, again, let's just use a brand like UPS. UPS decides to buy data from an uh, amalgamation of users at Reclaim, a fractional payment to, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of individual users uh, from one brand, like that one to many kind of business model or royalty rail, you know, I don't think exists really anywhere else. Not only does it not exist, um, it's consistent and it's been happening every three years. So there's always parts of the product that, you know, I'm always unhappy about, but increasingly I think you know, you might not like this, or you might not like this, but the one thing you can't debate is, is this part we've got tight. So I think, you know, the introduction of what we, re what we refer to as unveil, which is, you know, the transparency around your data, 
You know, I think that's a, a unique feature for individual consumers. Combining that with this, you know, royalty system or this payment rail, which has been fluid and consistent for three plus years, uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, the fact that we're expanding now again internationally um, sort of speaks to the larger vision of look, we want to we want reclaim to be in the hands of every consumer in the world. So expanding out of the U.S. is a big one. And then I'd say, you know, on the B two B side of the business, um, you know, what's been good has been you know, increasingly more and more brands are using Reclaim as opposed to, you know, their historical partner. Now, some of them are doing that because the historical partner is now no longer compliant. And I would say, you know, the companies that are best at that would be, you know, the pharmaceutical, healthcare companies, multicultural companies, et cetera. Um, but we've been managed kind of month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year to continue to build the business, return clients, add new clients, expand internationally. You know, these are all things that, you know, we're excited about. You know, the other thing too is I mentioned this idea that, you know, everybody has a data profile. Um, mm -hmm. The percentage of individuals, I think it's like 89% of consumers in the United States can come into Reclaim and find their data. Um, like, I think that's pretty awesome too. Yeah. So there's a few things that, you know, I think as we are, we've been on this journey for a while, I think uh, I can point to as these are, these are really cool things. We think they're super progressive, never been done before. And when, when combined together, um, you know, they provide, you know, something pretty, pretty different and pretty interesting. <clears throat> so I, I know we're coming up here to, to the end of the show. So uh, just to make sure, you know, for the audience that's listening, uh, walk us through just, you know, if, if I'm out here listening and let's say I'm a, a CMO uh, of a national brand and I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, identity authentication, I need to make sure that's crucial for my online, whatever e-commerce business. Uh, tell me what, you know, why I should be looking at Reclaim and how will you make an impact in my business today? Um, and then if I'm a consumer and I'm listening to this and, you know, why should I, you know, look at Reclaim as a, as a potential way to, you know, really build that value exchange between myself and, and and your organization. And if there's anything that I'm missing, feel free to fill in the gaps. But, you know, this is an opportunity for you to share to the audience um, why Reclaim, you know, is an opportunity to to partner with. Well, and I think for kind of brands and agencies who inform media through the equivalent of audiences, whether they're individual audiences or contextual audiences, you know, uh, what we provide here as a compliant seed that then can be used in both programmatic and in social. So all, you know, you have a, a first party or zero party compliance seed that can then be modeled and, and, and implemented into your platform to actually inform your media. Some people might say, who cares? And I'm like, well, you should, because um, the value of the data that you're using is really only as good as the input. So not dissimilar to when you're making a cake. If you put better ingredients in, the cake's going to taste better. So, you know, I think our pitch on that is, you know, we can provide this type of data to these individual CMOs and brands. Complementing that is, you know, look, if you're, if you have a multicultural line, you're trying to target sexuality, you're trying to target um, healthcare, you're trying to target, you know, these, these new verticals of data that require an opt-in. Uh, and I would tell every CMO that you should know what SPI stands for. Um, that is your job. So you should absolutely know that. And then you should be asking the questions of like, wait a minute, if we are running, you know, multicultural item or line item, who are we working with? And do we have a path to consent? I think that's been a really big growing part of our business. So uh, healthcare multicultural has been really, you know, valuable to us. We combine data 
with premium inventory as well with, with publishers. So um, you can go end to end. So that's on the B2B side, um, you know, for companies like, you know, guys like yourself or others, you know, we provide a, a consent solution or an augmentation solution where maybe you have a mobile ID or an email address, but you don't have things like age and gender. Um, we do the equivalent of a match test and we pass back the additional attributes so you can have more breadth to the data that you have to supplement your existing first party strategy, but also underpin the data with increasingly more consent. So that's sort of what we do on the B2B side. You know, on the B2C side, you as a, as a consumer, I'd just say, you know, look, go to Reclaim, uh, download the application, you know, va validate who you are and look for the first time in your life, we're going to show you what data is circulating out there on there, out in the market on you. We give you the tools to pick and choose what you like. We give you the tools to pick and choose the orders that you'd like to participate in. If you'd like to revoke access or consent, or you'd like to delete your profile or obtain your data, all of those hooks are already built into the product. So um, we think it's pretty progressive. Um, and we would encourage everybody to give it a go. Yeah. Well, Neil, I will, uh, I will vouch for that. Um, I am a reclaim user. So I, Yep. I have been in the app. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, the UI, the UX is great. And um, it, it really does help the consumers understand exactly the value of their, their data and what you guys are doing. So thank you again for the opportunity to, to chat today. Super exciting. And um, congrats. Thanks. Thanks again for having me.